Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. We've been hearing God's Word this morning from John chapter 11, uh, verses 1 to 44, and as I said to the kids, I, I didn't say, I don't, I don't have my mystery bag, I don't, I don't have any props today, I'm sorry, but I do have a good story. I have a good story. Then uh, this is a, a familiar story um, for many people. This is a famous story in John chapter 11. This is uh, the death of Lazarus and Jesus bringing Lazarus back from the dead. And so for some of you, you may have heard this before, and you may hear this and be like, oh, okay, well, yeah, Jesus, he's Jesus, right? He raises people from the dead. It happens. But here's what I want you to think about as you listen to this story. It does happen but it doesn't actually happen very much. There's really only a very few people that Jesus raised from the dead during his time on earth. And so that's one thing to keep in mind. It it doesn't happen as much as we kind of, we just know Jesus does a lot of things, can do anything, but he doesn't really do this very much. And the other thing is, this is a fairly fairly long story. Uh, It's 44 verses that I'm going to read here. And so I want you to reflect as we're reading why. Why so much detail? What, what is this in, this in the details of this story? What is it that God has for us today? Because this is a critically significant story, both in the, in the whole flow of the Gospel of John and for us today. In the whole flow of the Gospel of John, if you remember, if you've been with us as we've been going through John, you may remember that John doesn't tell a lot of miracles. He doesn't talk about a lot of miracles. But the ones he does... They're important, and he puts them together as signs. There's, and there's everybody, everybody, this is a fun fact. Everybody agrees there's seven signs in the book of John. The fun fact is that not everybody agrees on what those seven signs are. Um, but depending on how you count them, uh, the, the raising of Lazarus from the dead is either the sixth or seventh sign in the book of John. And so this is, it's, it's the culmination of this, the last, if, if the seventh sign is Jesus' own resurrection, then this is still the last of the signs in the first part of the book. After this, Jesus is going to enter into Jerusalem. He's going to do all the last week stuff. He's going to talk a lot with his disciples. But this is the end of his sign. So this is a big one. So what did it mean for them? What does it mean for us today? That's what I want you to reflect on as I read. John chapter 11, verses 1 to 44. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. 
The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus has spoken of his death, had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he open the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this on account of people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you gave this word for us, even as you gave it so long ago. We thank you that Jesus did this, that he brought Lazarus back from the dead in real space and time, and that John wrote it down for people then and for us today. So we pray that as we reflect on this word together, that this, you would take, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would take this word and sink it deep into our hearts that it would not merely be information for our heads, but transformation for our lives, changing the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have a question for you. I really, should have, I really should have my bag so that I could pull a surprise out of my bag. 
but I don't have my bag, so instead I just have to ask you how you feel about surprises. Because not everybody likes surprises. You could ask Suzanne how she feels about surprises. She likes good surprises. How do you like surprises when they're like supposed to actually happen, but you try to make them a surprise anyway and don't tell you about them? Like if you're supposed to have like a birthday party and you're expecting a birthday something and I don't say anything about it, but instead I'm like, oh, let's try to make it a surprise. You just need to write, surprises don't always work, right? In fact, Suzanne has a great story about a friend of hers in college who was, uh, he was, it was his 21st birthday. And so on his 21st birthday, he went around looking for all his friends to celebrate with. And he couldn't find any of his friends. And he was so sad that there was nobody to hang out with. Why was there nobody to hang out with? Because they were all at her apartment giving him a surprise birthday party, right? But we have these mixed feelings about surprises. Because in those moments when, like, we kind of want something to happen, but we're not sure if it's going to happen, things can get really dark. And we get, real, we get sad. We wonder, is, does anybody care? Does anybody care about me? Did anybody remember that this was my birthday? Is anybody going to do something for me? Or more seriously, we wonder, is God, is God going to come through? Sometimes it feels like God is just waiting to give us a surprise. And in fact, here, Jesus kind of does it to his disciples and to Mary and Martha. Like, he's waiting to give them a surprise, but they're not real happy about it initially. Did you catch that at the beginning? When Jesus, or, uh, where did he go to him? Now Jesus, verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Heard that Lazarus was sick. So, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. He didn't run up and go there right away. He didn't go to fix it right away. Instead, he waited. And he was going to give them, and we know reading the story, we're not too worried as we read the story because we know what's going to happen. We know it's a good surprise. But when you're in the middle of it, it can be real hard. And in fact, we, we know this, that there, there's a feeling of darkness. There's a feeling of the darkness closing in. And our, our big problem here, the problem that we see in this passage, the challenge that all of the people here are facing, that we face too, as well, is that we can't even imagine what light fully looks like. When it's been a long night, it's been a long night and it's the time just before dawn, it's the darkest part of the night. It's the coldest part of the night. And things are not going well and you wonder, will it ever be day? If you've ever had trouble sleeping all night long, and you wonder, will I ever get to sleep? Will this light ever come? Maybe you haven't had trouble sleeping on your own. Maybe you've just been up with a crying child. And you wonder, will this child ever go to sleep? Will day ever come again? Will this period of suffering ever end? That's where Mary and Martha and the Jews who were mourning with them, that's where they found themselves. And that's where we find ourselves too. Clinging to the hope and the expectation. We know something's going to come here. We know it should come. What we see all throughout this is we see faith. There's actually a lot of faith in this story. The first thing Martha says to Jesus is she says in verse 21, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's faith. Jesus could have healed her, could have healed him. She believed that. She had faith. 
when Jesus said, hey, your brother will rise again. And she's like, I know. He will rise in the resurrection at the last day. It's faith, but it's far off. Jesus could heal. Resurrection will come far off. Then Mary comes to Jesus and says pretty much the same thing. In verse, uh, oh, where did Mary go? Verse, verse 32, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The same thing, Jesus could have healed. And then again in verse 37, the Jews, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? They all have faith. They all believe that Jesus is powerful. But not when somebody's been dead for four days. The darkness just seems too great. And so many of us find ourselves in the same situation where we have faith. We believe in Jesus. We believe in some kind of God, at least. We know that God is just, that God is right, that God loves us, kind of. But what does that mean right now when darkness seems so pressing? Whether it's events in the world around us that just seem to come one after the other, whether it's events in our personal lives that just as things seem to maybe be getting better and then here comes another hit, another illness, another relational hit from somebody who's not speaking to us anymore, another job problem. All these things happen. We say, God, really? Really? Is there anything you can do about this? But the message that Jesus had for them in their limited faith is the same message that Jesus has for us. Here's what I love about Jesus here in John chapter 11. As the people, as Mary and Martha and the mourning Jews, as they come and they come with their limited faith, their incomplete faith, he does not rebuke them. He does not tell them to muster up more faith. Instead, he comes and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. The resurrection, Martha, is not some far off thing in the future. The resurrection is here right now. That's the message that Jesus is bringing, was bringing for them. That's the message he's bringing for us. That's the main thing we need to know about God is that Jesus is the resurrection right now. Resurrection has come. The light has come. The day has broken. The light is streaming over the horizon. It is coming into this world, and he wants us to experience that right now. I am the resurrection and the life. This is verse 25. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. So even if we die, even if we believe in Jesus, even when we die, it's live. He shall live from now. And he who believes in everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Everyone who is living right now and puts their faith in Jesus, his resurrection is so strong that basically we will never die. Even if we pass through physical death on earth, the resurrection power of life is so strong, it's as if we have no death at all. Jesus says right now, I have come that you may begin eternal life. Over and over when he says, I've come that you may have eternal life, that you may have life and have it to the full. It's life, not just some future theoretical life, but eternal life of great quality and joy, starting now, lasting forever. That you may have life and have it to the full. So that's the message for us this morning, is that Jesus is the resurrection right now. 
The light has broken in. Whatever darkness we see, the light is overcoming it. There is light and life in Jesus. Not far off, not desperately clinging to faith, but right now. So what do we do with that? What do we do if Jesus has brought the resurrection right now to us? And the answer for us of what we do is we should expect more. We must look at the, the limited faith that we have. Yeah, there'll be resurrection in the future. I have eternal life. Would you say, no, God, I think there's more. This is what we come to in prayer when we pray boldly. Say, no, Jesus, you can heal. You can heal now. Not just, you, you can heal. You can transform relationships. You can give me more out of this life. You can change hard-hearted people to be soft-hearted again. You can bring people who have walked away from you back to you. We expect more life now. We expect to see the resurrection right now. So what, that sounds great, right? Like, it sounds, you know, light is coming, the day has broken. Uh, if, you're, if, you're a, if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, the battle at Helm's Deep is coming to the end and Gandalf has come over the hill with the light of dawn and bringing the victory. But what do we actually do with that? And, and this passage offers us three brief and specific ways that we can take hold of expecting more now, that we can take hold of the resurrection now and expect more from Jesus. And they all have to do with walking. Because first it says that we, we need to walk in the light. Walk in the light. So we have to be in the light. That's where we're walking. And as we're walking in the light, we still have to be willing to admit that it hurts. We walk in the light. We admit that it hurts. And as we walk, we take the next step. So we walk in the light. We admit that it hurts. Takes the next step. The walk in the light is here at the beginning at verse, uh, verse 9. It's a curious thing. It, it's kind of a long, this back and forth between Jesus and his disciples is kind of long. You kind of wonder what's going on. Part of it, to be honest, I think is just that John was there. And John, like any good storyteller, just likes to tell you what was happening. And so he's like, hey, we had this conversation and Thomas was confused. So let me tell you about it. Um, that's part of it. I really do think that's part of it. But there's also something significant to draw us in, to realize how big a deal this was. Because if you remember, if you were here last week, Jesus almost got stoned last week. And so the conclusion, he had been having all these conflicts with the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders, and they tried to stone him. And so he left. And he left and went away across the Jordan, away from Jerusalem, away from Judea. He was getting out of town. And now... Just a short time later, he's like, hey, let's go back. We're going back. And the disciples, they're like, you're going to die back there. They were trying to kill you. So that, John is giving us some details here to draw this out and make us realize this is a big deal for Jesus to go back. But then he gives this kind of cryptic statement about 12 hours in the day. If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Interestingly, Jesus said almost the exact same thing in chapter 9. We have a very similar story. In chapter 9, he healed the man born blind. In both of these stories, you've got somebody who is in bad shape, the man born blind, or Lazarus dead. And in both cases, Jesus says, oh, this is actually for the glory of God that these things have happened. And in both cases, he talks about walking in the light or working in the light and working while it's day. And it seems what Jesus is saying here is, yeah, they're after me, but I have nothing to fear. 
Because if I'm walking in the light, if I'm doing the right thing, I have nothing to fear. Yeah, they're going to try to stone me. It's daytime. Good things happen in the day. Good things happen in the light of Jesus. Good things happen in the light of the resurrection. Because when you walk with the power of light itself in you, with the power of resurrection life itself in you, you have nothing to fear. You're doing the right thing. And even if bad people, even if enemies oppose you, ultimately, even if they kill you, your life will not end because you already have the eternal life. So we must walk strict, we must walk in the light. We always seek to put ourselves doing the right thing where we can say we're, we're just gonna, we're gonna be honest. We can be totally honest about what we're doing because we're doing the right thing. We're acting ethically. We're seeking to do good. We're seeking to love others. We're being sacrificial. We're being servant-like. We're not being underhanded. We're not being deceitful. We're not out for ourselves. We're walking in the light. Will people oppose us? Probably. Darkness hates the light. But we have nothing to fear in the light. So we must pay attention to where we are walking. Are we truly trying to walk obediently before Jesus, doing the right thing where we don't need to hide anything? And even when we do what is wrong and we mess up, we don't have to hide it because we're forgiven, because the grace of God is strong enough. So even our failures and our sins, we put them out in the light and we say, yes, I've messed up and Jesus has forgiven me. And so I will continue to walk in the light and I have nothing to fear. And yet as we walk in the light, even if you're going on a long hike in the day, better than at night, but you're still going to get tired, right? You're still going to get tired if you've, been, if you've been walking a long time. And in the same way in this life, we want to be able to honestly admit that it hurts. A long walk of life is going to hurt. And it's fascinating here how real and deep the pain and sorrow is. The details John gives us in verse 33 to 36. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. Even though Jesus knew all things, he still admits that it hurts. Even though he knew that in 15 minutes, Lazarus was going to come walking out of that grave, he still admitted the hurt. He still wept with the people there. Real genuine emotion and sadness. And so as we talk about resurrection right now and the hope of that and the light of that and the joy of that, it does not change that it hurts. And we can admit that and be honest about it. And those two things, they can go together. One of the things I love about the Psalms is the vast range of emotions that they reveal. That they can go from deep sadness, anger, grief, joy. All the... And I often think to myself, and I often tell other people, I said, look, all the emotions you feel in these complicated situations where you're crying and laughing and angry all at the same time, it's okay. It's how God made you. And he even gave you the Psalms in his word to express those emotions. We express a lot of emotions at once. We feel a lot of emotions at once. And the amazing thing about God is that Jesus came down to experience those emotions with us. The Bible tells us that. That's part of why Jesus came down. 
He, the book of Hebrews, it says, we have a high priest who can sympathize with us in our weakness. He understands human flesh. He understands human emotion. He wept with the people. And so we weep with one another. We admit to one another that it's hard. And we recognize, we say that it's hard. We're not denying our hope. We're not denying the reality of resurrection. We know that. We believe that. We're looking for that. And we admit that it's hard. We do it all at the same time. So we walk in the light, seeking to follow Jesus, obey him with nothing to hide. We admit that it hurts. And then we take the next step. That's all we can ever do. We just take the next step on this, on this path. I love that every time Jesus challenges somebody here, they respond in faith. It's limited faith, but it's faith nonetheless. Martha and Mary, their faith is limited. They don't think Jesus can do anything now, but they think he could have. And then when Jesus says, hey, he's going to rise again, she's like, yeah, a little bit of faith there. And then the best faith of all, at the end, when Jesus says, take away the stone, and Martha's like, ah, it's going to smell. Been there four days. There's going to be an odor, Jesus. Like, he's dead. He's really dead in there. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Verse 41, so they took away the stone. That's faith. Yeah, there's going to be an odor. Do it. All right, here we go. And that's all we can do is we take the next step. Whether it's rolling away the stone and waiting for Jesus to call the dead man to life. Whether it's going to a person uh, that, that we've had conflict with that has hurt us and saying, I forgive you. Whether it's going to that person saying, I've done wrong and I'm sorry whether it's going to a neighbor that we haven't spent as much time with as we should and saying, I want, to, I want to get to know you better. I want to do something for you. Whether it's looking for ways that we can spend more, give more of our time, more of our money that we don't really feel like we have enough of, but I'm going to give it away anyway. Whatever the next step is, whatever God has put on each of our hearts, we take the next step in faith that Jesus has come. There's resurrection right now. And so if we walk in the light before him, while admitting that it hurts and lots of things don't go the way that we expect, when those first rays of light come over the horizon, it's still pretty dark and cold, but we know they're coming. We know the sun is coming up. The sun is coming up and everything is changing and it will be fully day. We take the next step. We walk in the hope of that right now resurrection. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your love and grace to us. We thank you that Jesus brought resurrection in himself. That he is the resurrection and the life, and in him we have nothing to fear. Pray that you would teach us each day what that means, what it means to follow and serve you to take the next step before you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.